nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a rare Monday night edition of the Managing Madrid podcast where we are on Ewan's couch in Madrid at nearly 12.30 a.m. after Real Madrid go to Vallecas and lose and put in one of their worst performances of the season. Mm. Maybe the worst. Maybe the worst. Probably. Um, so we're here. We're going to break it down. First of all, how are you? Good. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you say, Monday night is always a strange one when Real Madrid play on Monday because they almost never do. Um, but yeah, you went to Vallecas. How was that? It was the first time you've been as a journalist, I think, uh, and it's an interesting, not very organized place. <laughs> Let's put it politely. It's a not organized, non-organized place. I've been to Vallecas as a fan, and it wasn't even a Real Madrid game. It was Rayo Vallecano versus, I'm not even sure, I think it was Leganes, like years ago. Mm. And I was blown away, and I've always told people, like, guys, if you're in Madrid and Rayo Vallecano are playing, yeah. go to the game. Don't just only focus on Real Madrid. Yeah. Most of the people listening to this are Real Madrid fans, so naturally, like that's why they go to Madrid. But like, look at the schedule. Mm-hmm. If any of these teams are playing, any of the Madrid teams playing, yeah, there's four in La Liga. So like, there's if four. you're in town for a Real Madrid game, chances are one of Atleti, Hetafe, or Rayo is also at home that weekend. Yeah, or I mean, in some cases Leganes. Yeah. Um, you could also do Castilla. You could do Real Madrid Femenino. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of football to be mm-hmm. to be to, to watch. You could even like I've I've seen. I mean, I wouldn't do, but um, you could do Raya Maharonda. Yeah. You could go get really funky. Mm-hmm. I've seen Real Madrid Castilla versus Atletico Madrid B games. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Darby's are awesome. So anyway, the point is, Vallecas is awesome. And I, in the build-up to this game, I, I told people, because I also do a lot of content on YouTube, and I say, like, look, I'm going to do some behind-the-scenes of Vallecas, partly mm-hmm. because it's a really, really great away stadium. And mind you, I haven't been to many. I think this is number eight now on my list of away stadiums I've been to. Mm. Uh, but it's cool because every single person who goes inside that stadium is a diehard Rayo Vallecano fan. Yeah. With the burnabout, you get a lot of tourists, a lot of rich people coming through. The atmosphere is a little bit subdued, but Vallecas is just a madhouse. It's Probably so, because, so like, just a little bit of context of Rayo Vallecano, it's like one of the teams that is very much like a neighborhood team. It's not just people supporting them from all over Madrid, even though they do have fans from all over Madrid, it's very much a team of a suburb of Madrid, a specific suburb called Vallecas, hence the Vallecano name. Uh, so basically, everybody in the stadium, not only are they a diehard Rayo fan, they probably <coughs> live within three or four kilometers of the stadium in that proper bit of Madrid. So it's yeah, a big community kind of atmosphere there. And yeah, they love, they love the team. And also I think that adds to the atmosphere because it's so easy for the fans to get to the games because they all live there. So even yeah. on a Monday night, it's not so so difficult. The Bernabeu on a Monday night can sometimes be, um, you know, a little bit quieter because uh, people live from all over Madrid and if the kickoff time is late, we have a midweek round this week. Some, you know, I think they play Cadiz at 9.30 on Thursday. That's not an easy one to get home through. 
Because they never have that problem because uh, everybody lives pretty much on the doorstep of the stadium and you see that in the pre-match and obviously in the game. Yeah, so I have to say, this is one of the weirdest games I've covered because I had no idea what was going on. Mm. It was it was just a complete madhouse. It was mayhem. I said As soon as I set foot in the door, none of the security guard knows where I'm supposed to go. Mm. One security guard literally told me, go ask another journalist. I don't know. And like, it's a great start. So uh, good thing I got there early. I finally found it. Every single place I've been to is like, you just, it's a seat. Like it's a press row. Mm. This one is not a press row. It's a, yeah. it's, you get a cabin. Yeah. I felt so isolated. I had a private cabin yeah. to myself. I opened the door. It's a room. Mm. I'm like, there's nobody here. I feel like I'm in this wilderness. I like to have people beside me that I can bounce mm. ideas off of. I can talk to you and like, hey, did you see that? Hey, what happened there? Yeah, I missed it. Yeah. yeah, because we have no replays. So that was one thing. The second thing was there were no replays. That's not uncommon. But in, in the burnabout, you can at least some places have screens. You can look behind you. You can ask. You can talk to people. I didn't, I didn't see any um, replays. And quite frankly, I, I, my analysis, I think, was not accurate because of that. I didn't see the whole picture. The third thing was there was no clock. Mm. Don't know what time was what. I, I took a bunch of notes, but I can't go back and reference it and be like, okay, when was this note that, you know, Mordrich yeah. left space between the lines? I don't know what minute that was. Uh, number four, I was standing the whole time mm. because I, I was the, the fans were constantly standing in front of mm. me. So I could not see over them. I, had, I was standing. I did not sit down mm. one time during the whole game. Anyways, not, You're I'm not basically talking. a radio journalist today, like just standing the whole time, just yeah. And look, it was fun, and mm. I will never forget it. It was it was an experience. Mm. Obviously, Real Madrid just got uh, played off the park, so there's uh, you know, there's that. But I'll still remember it. Um, so, anyways, point is, I'm going to rely a lot on you tonight mm. to kind of yeah, piece things together. Yeah, piece together. You saw yeah. things there in the stadium. I watched this one on correct on TV, and maybe. Be- between us, we, we know what happened, but also maybe not because this game was 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 on something. This game was wild, so um, even then we may struggle to really make sense of what happened. So, what is your assessment of everything that's happening in the first half? Because as you and I were talking about it off air, mm. Cruz and Benzema are not playing. Mm. Right off the the get go, Rayo put their foot on the pedal. Yeah. They score within five minutes. What's happening? Yeah, like. I don't want to be like, oh, I, I, I told you so. I thought this would happen, but like, because often, <laughs> and I say it to you, and it is proven wrong. But this is kind of the game I thought this would be for Rayo. Kind of the reason we just mentioned. This is their biggest game of the season for Real Madrid. It's a Monday. It's November. It's cold. They just got drawn against Liverpool in the afternoon. That's much more interesting. They're missing some players. It's the World Cup. Even the players who are playing are maybe a bit thinking about joining up with their camps. Um, from Friday onwards, this is not the kind of this was a chore for Real Madrid for Vallecas for Rayo Vallecano. It was a party, and you could see that in the attitude to to the way they approached the first few minutes. Real Madrid had a very early chance, but after that, Rayo Vallecano settled into it. They pressed like crazy. They worked like crazy. They scored the early goal. They had other chances. They could have scored another, and somehow Real Madrid got two goals back to back. Um, really didn't deserve those goals. I don't think in those mo- in that moment. I think Rayo Vallecano deserved to go in with a multiple goal lead at the half. Um, and at that point, at half time, you're thinking, okay, Real Madrid have survived this half where they played horribly. 
their level. They can go on and win this, and then they play just as horribly, maybe a little bit better, in the second half, and and obviously lost it. So, um, yeah, what did you think from the stands? Because you probably are also feeling the atmosphere of the crowd, who I think loved what they saw. Because from my point of view, Ryle were just far, far, far better in that first half. That that was clear to me. I mean, that that part of it was undeniable. I don't need to go and watch back the game again to know that that was the case. Ryle were the better team. Um, I, I do think, and, you know, so part of the thing with Raya Vallecano is that maybe some people tend to forget that this is actually a really good team. Mm-hmm. They got really good players. I thought Frank Garcia was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about sending a message. On the same night there where Real Madrid's left back was not great, yeah. <clears throat> Frank Garcia will sleep well tonight. He's saying, like, look, I, I went and put in a great shift against my former club. Mm-hmm. They still have my rights. Yeah. You know, you have my number. Yeah, I'm here. That's a great, it's a great tryout for Fran Garcia. That's number one. Number two was um, they they pressed really well. And I think on a night when you didn't have Cruz or Benzema to organize your build-up, I, we, as we said many times, Benzema himself is basically a fifth midfielder. He mm-hmm. drops deep and he helps with the build-up play. To make matters worse, Modric had a bad night. Mm-hmm. And when Cruz is not in the field and Modric plays the way he did, he was uncharacteristically shaky on the ball, bad with his touches, his passing was off. The They just were not able to... Like, right before the penalty kick that Asensio earned, mm. I thought, like, I was taking notes, it's like, this is the first time I remember there's a little bit of a spell of possession in Ryo's half. Yeah. And Asensio plays that nice one-two with Fede. I think Asensio did well in that to win the penalty because he fights to get to that 50-50 ball, which wasn't mm-hmm. perfectly to him. Up until that point, that was like the first time I remember us getting into that ha- into the half with the sustained spell of possession. There were moments where Vinicius and Rodrigo got in the final third, yeah, yeah. but you know nothing like where Real. You know it was it was a it was a challenge um, to just even escape Rio's press. Well, that was the thing. I think this game is all about Rio's press, especially the first half, for for two reasons. Number one, Rio is their press is really good. It's one of the best in the league. Number two, it's really good at home because you need to keep in mind this is a small stadium, the smallest in La Liga. It's a lot smaller than the Bernabeu. It's 440 square meters smaller than hmm. the Bernabeu pitch. Uh, Interesting. I think it's, the maths of that? I think Ryers is 100 by 67 and the Bernabeu is the maximum 105 by 68. So mostly long ways is where the difference is. Uh, the difference between the two goals basically is a five metres shorter than in the Bernabeu. That's actually huge in a football pitch. So not only are Rio good at pressing, they don't have so much space to, to cover. And that also means Real Madrid don't have so much space to to play the ball out from. And I think we've seen maybe in this game some players passing press resistant or lack of it exposed a little bit. Because in the Bernabeu, in most stadiums Real Madrid play in, they have the space to have a little bit of a loose ball. We've spoken about Mondi so many times and how awkward sometimes he is and how the ball kind of gets away from him, but he gets there and recovers. In Vallecas, you don't have the space to do that because there's less space and because Rio make there even less space than there already is. And I think we saw that from so many players in the Real Madrid back four, in the Real Madrid midfield. I think Chiromeni, Modric, um, Valverde was, was everywhere, kind of. But these guys just didn't quite have as much time as they normally do. And we know Modric can absolutely 
play the ball in small spaces. He just sure. didn't tonight. The other players, maybe they're not quite as as good at that. And I think this is the game where you really miss Tony Cruz, who was suspended, yeah. couldn't play. And I think, okay, maybe not. There's better teams, you know, Barcelona or Atleti, for example. But of all the fixtures in in the La Liga calendar, this is one of the ones where you really want to have Tony Cruz when it's a small spit, a small pitch away from home against a team that's really good at pressing. That that was that was the main that was one of the main takeaways was as you mentioned the press Rayo's press Real just inability to deal with it the poor passing throughout Ancelotti also said after the game that you know when you can't escape the press paraphrasing mm. uh, but Vinicius and Rodrigo weren't getting the ball either yeah. um, now I don't think Vinicius or Rodrigo had a good game so just mm. that also it it's all a bit of everything you know yeah. it's a bit of everything. Um, the other thing I saw was that I thought Chu Meni was left by himself quite a bit in this game. Wing backs were pushed high. Modric and Fede in particular was pressing high too. He was up the field. And Chu Meni did not really have much help and he was dealing with a lot. And I think his defensive, by the numbers defensively, he had a good game. That was in part also why I was surprised that it was Kamavinga who came in for, it was, sorry, it was Chu Meni that came mm, up for Kamavinga. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, maybe you justify no matter how poorly Modric is playing, look, he's still a creative, he's the only creative midfielder left in the park, okay, maybe you keep him in, that's fine. Um, so that that was an, another side of it. Defensively, Fran Garcia, as you mentioned, I, I thought he gave Carvajal hell. Rodrigo, too. I think mm-hmm. he got the better of the Rodrigo duels. Mendy, in part, like in the first half, I thought he was fine. I know he got a lot of criticism I, on the second goal, especially, he lets, I forget who it is, slip behind him in the half space. He gets a little bit unlucky. The ball kind of bounces yeah. off him too. We can't really clear it. And then it falls to Alvaro Garcia, who scores from a really tight angle. Um, but then you also, in the second half, I thought Mendy was just brutal because he just kept giving the ball away and he was losing his duels. And this is the other thing. There's a certain, I guess you could measure it I was going to say intangible, but you can measure, I suppose, in like the amount of duels that were won. I haven't mm-hmm. looked at it. I looked. I did look at that because I was thinking the same thing. Real Madrid actually won more duels in the game, but Real Madrid always win more duels in the game, in pretty much every game. Like they're usually <coughs> going to win more duels. So relative to what how big the gap would normally be in Real Madrid's favor, it was a lot. It was a lot closer. But um, no, you're right. It's maybe you can specifically look at these numbers. Um, but also it's kind of the eye test is I think the point you're about to make about you know it's just like the eye test told me that Ryo got to every 50-50 ball they fought they and maybe it felt that way also because every single 50-50 duel was met with the crowd going yeah. like going crazy right? you hear the ones they win you exactly. don't hear the ones they lose for sure um, but there was a certain fight and grit that Ryo had that I felt like Ramja just couldn't match intensity also, I also thought there were some physical mismatches too like Raya have some big players mm-hmm. um, and it was just kind of weird to see it in person like how much smaller and diminutive Modric is compared to like some of those other midfielders yeah. um, which again that's not even here nor there Modric doesn't matter if he's 10 foot shorter than anyone he's still the best midfielder no player. but in this extra small spaces it doesn't matter that extra bit because you have that little bit less space to spring away from and get away from the giant defensive midfielder here <laughs> There's not so much space, and then there's another giant defensive midfielder, or uh, you know, a, a, a physical fullback, or you know. So, I think it does all, all contribute. That's not obviously the only reason for what we saw, but I think there's 
the circumstances of going away to Rio Vallecano, a good team, a difficult stadium. Um, not not talking about the pitch, by the way. The pitch actually probably better than the Bernabeu pitch, but just the, the dimensions of the stadium, the way Rio play, makes it difficult anyway. Most teams struggle there, but Real Madrid also just a few other elements to this this approach to this game just meant on top of that, it just wasn't going to work. And Ancelotti, I think, went through a couple of them in the press conference. He mentioned the the physical the physical uh, <coughs> side of Real Madrid in terms of fatigue. He said they're they're basically running on fumes at this point. And he I think said, he also said everyone is though. He said well, he said everybody is, and he said well, every team that plays every three days, which is not Rio, to be fair. Fair. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that in just a second. Yeah. And then another thing he said was tactically, maybe I got some things wrong. And he spoke about the maybe I should have said once we realised we couldn't play it from the back, we maybe should have played some more long balls. Long balls and yeah. maybe and Real Madrid fans, I know a lot of people listening to this right now do not want to hear that that we should have played more long balls. But I think he was just giving this as not the main excuse or reason for what happened, just an example of something he could have maybe told the players to do differently, um, and they didn't. Just to go back to the every, day, every three days thing, um, how many days ago did Real Madrid last play? More than three. Five against Celtic. This is a Monday night game. And this is a thing, so all the coaches always talk about this at this stage of the season when it's busy and it's the coaches of clubs like Real Madrid who are in European competition, in every competition. So they're playing every time that there's, there's a tournament. We play every three days. We play every three days. You don't, because that only adds up to six. And if you keep playing only two games every six days, you're no longer in... It's really every three and a half days. Some weeks it's three... uh, Sometimes it's three days between a game, sometimes it's four. It's not always three days. And sometimes it's five, like this one. Five days... The fatigue, I don't think, should have been an excuse for this game. And I don't think Ancelotti really made it an excuse, but he did bring it up. They played five days ago against Celtic, a game that they were winning from the start, that they didn't already mean that much. They were going through. They were able to rotate a bit. There was no excuse for the fatigue compared to Rio in this game. I agree with that. Um, the the bigger question then becomes because that, that what you said is true. The big conversation now is are the players thinking about the World Cup? Mm. And I don't... <clears throat> Which Ancelotti has been very, very clear and careful to never suggest that and maybe that's why he's saying it's oh, too many games but yeah why well, yeah it's also something you just can't say yeah, like you can't say um, Some, yeah but i think it's true you think it's true yeah. i i don't i don't know what to make of it um so i'm cu- like because i'm curious to know like here's where i think because i'm trying to like just look at what's happening on the pitch mm. it doesn't like it doesn't explain the bad passing the bad decision making but it would explain like not going into 50-50 duels with the same... Mm. Although, like, I don't know. I, I It may be a case-to-case basis because I don't see Fede Valverde pulling out of any challenges, for example. No. I don't I don't know, but maybe it's... Oh, a, I think it's absolutely a case-to-case. It's yeah. not It's not going to be that... Like, what is it? Like, 26 players in a squad, 32 teams in the World Cup, whatever that number is. It's not that every single one of those players is taking it easy right now. Every single player is a bit different. But I think if you average it out at every club that had like of Real Madrid size with around a dozen to fifteen <coughs> players going to the World Cup, uh, I think every club has two or three who are thinking about the World Cup, taking it easy in two senses. Number one, they're not going into fifty fifty uh, tackles as much as they normally would. And number two, 
they're not there. And that brings me to where where was Benzema tonight? He, he's, he wasn't in Vallecas. He still doesn't feel comfortable. Never quite been laid out as he has an injury. Just not comfortable, whatever that means. He's not been comfortable for a few weeks, and it just so happens to be the few weeks before the World Cup. And when this theory was kind of brought up before Benzema started missing games, and I was sceptical, this conspiracy theory. But the way the team's been playing, they need Benzema. He, he's not been there. He played a little bit against Celtic, but he's he's not been there. And by all accounts, it's not a full injury. It's something that he could have played for in other times of the season he would have played for. And um, Real Madrid have dropped a few points now because of it. I guess Girona and this one. It's... Yeah, and, and, and again, like, measuring on the pitch is very difficult, right? Like, the Benzema's not even playing, but, like, some of the players that are playing. Mm. It's like, it's it's hard for me to look at the field and be like, okay, well, that's an example where mm. he's thinking about, like, I don't know yeah. how to measure it. But I think a lot of it is probably, if it's the case, it's psychological too. Mm. Um, I, it's interesting that I was recently writing in my book, the Michael Laudrup section of my book. Mm. And he says something really interesting that after every World Cup, the players are good, just are out of form. This after. Is, after, yeah. yeah. This is like universal. Yeah, like a normal summer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And and I also, in my mind, had thought about like, I'm just expecting after the World Cup, something will be out of form. Mm. What I did not factor in was that even before the World Cup would be a slump. And I think that becomes really problematic in a title race that has little margin of error. I think <clears throat> Real Madrid specifically have a lot of players on a lot of teams that will go very far. A lot of French in Brazil. And I think they will go far. And some other clubs, Barcelona, Atletico, for example, have players maybe on teams that are not likely to go as far and um, or go at all. Um, Look, the, the, still, there's no excuse. We got Kamavinga, who's not going to play much hmm. if he makes the squad. Tony Kroos is not going. Um, that might be the shortest. That, <laughs> I, was try, yeah. I was like, I was hoping, like, okay, and this guy, and this guy, and this guy, but that was much sure. yeah, It's easier to go for who's not going. Um, yeah, there's every, everyone's going. Lunin isn't going, I guess. Although, well, they keep trying. He's trying to get in. But anyway, um, that's a different thing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to know. And I think if Benzema is taking it easy and not, and I think it's not. I think there's something there. He's not comfortable and he doesn't want to take a risk. It's not that he's 100% fine and is just chilling. I think we should say that he's probably earned the right. Remember how, and we've seen that a few times, how messed up his finger is because he didn't get surgery when he probably should have got surgery so he could keep playing and not uh, take a month out in the middle of the season. He's like literally sacrificed his body in the past for Real Madrid. He's won the Ballon d'Or. He didn't go to the last World Cup for those reasons. He's earned the right to take it a bit easy and make sure he gets to Qatar 2022. It's just the cover-up is, you know, I think it's our job to say, look, this is this is a bit fishy here. And it's cost Real Madrid at this, not necessarily. Maybe they would have also not beat Girona, not uh, beat Rayo. But at this point, it's five points are, are dropped. And I, I say this all the time, five points dropped now are the exact same as five points dropped in the final two rounds of the season. They all count the same. Do you think Benzema will play against Cadiz? Mm, I, I think now he will. I think now he he has to. If Real Madrid would have won this game, maybe there would the, be less pressure. Yeah, 
because Caddies at home is one that you should be able to win. Maybe on the bench you bring them. I think now he has to because otherwise... Knowing how Caddies set up yeah, their defensive true. block, man, I, I yeah, can yeah, already yeah. tell that there's going to be some groans in the bird. They've battle. only lost one of their past eight Caddies. But that's a, that's a different podcast for, for later in the week. But no, it's not the easiest game. Um, but I think the, the optics of it are awful if Benzema misses that one too and then goes and plays like 90 minutes of a France friendly like next week. Mm, I think he plays that one and I think he has to after what happened in in this one and also he probably wants to because you also don't want to go to a World Cup completely cold having not played any football apart from 20 minutes against Celtic when you're 5-0 up you know um, so I don't know you're right this World Cup thing is, is strange and it's it's strange that it seems to be affecting Real Madrid more than than other teams Barcelona, we'll see what happens tomorrow because Barcelona obviously won at the weekend but their similar version of Real Madrid kind of away is also soon away on Tuesday night Let's see how they do there, because that's not an easy game. Also, soon again, one of those teams that, a bit like Rio, are kind of underrated, I think, because they're a smaller club, the name sounds smaller, but actually this specific group of players is, uh, like Rio, quite a good team. Let's see how Barcelona do there. But Barcelona do seem to be managing the pre-World Cup, um, you know, taking it easy, if you can call it like that, a bit better. Atletico are doing terribly, but their reasons for doing terribly are not because people are taking it easy for the World Cup. It's, it's different things altogether. Yeah. Real Madrid seem to have this um, this thing a bit more than others, and um, yeah, a shame that the one player who isn't going to the World Cup and would be given a hundred percent was Tony Cruz, and just happened to be the one not available for 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 this one. You know, it's funny. Like we spend so much time talking about oh, the reason Real Madrid do better in big games is because mm. you know they don't face low blocks. You know, the Gironas, the the Cadizes. You know, it's hard to break those teams down. Rayo did not have a low block today. No. Rayo had space to attack in transition. Rayo pressed high. Rayo played a, a, a brand of football that, in most cases, would be pretty risky mm. against Real Madrid, against a team that has Vinicius and Fede Valverde. Mm -hmm. There was no excuses. You, There was... You, you got out-intensified, if that's a word. Mm -hmm. You were late to a bunch of challenges. You did not take advantage of mm -hmm. the space, the high line. <clears throat> it's not about, this was not about low blocks. This nope. was a, a different blueprint. It wasn't, yeah. You're right. Like, all the normal excuses that you might hear, none of them applied, you know. Um, oh, you know, to, not enough rest time. You had five days. Um, the low block, no low block. Referees, no issues with the referee. And it was, uh, the Carvajal handball was clear. Carvajal was inside the box for the retake. Um, no issues with that. Like, all the normal excuses you might turn to, um, none of them applied in this game. This was just a Rio Vallecano team being better on the day and in the circumstances in Real Madrid <coughs> and winning the game, deservedly so. And honestly, I think they maybe should have won by more than one goal. It's funny, and I, I was looking at the XG just before mm. we started recording. I, I was surprised to see Real Madrid's much higher than... Rios. Mm. Then I remember the Rodrigo chance at the end, and, and that the Militao header was, was pretty high. Yeah. pretty high, and also the Mortage penalty um, was another one. True, but then Rio had the penalty. Rio had a penalty too. Um, why was the again? I, this mm. is my brain. Yeah. I had no idea why it was retaken in the season. Mm. Why was the Rio penalty retaken? Because you were down towards that end. No? Yeah, I was. Yeah. At first, I thought it was Courtois being off his line, and if. If you really zoomed in, maybe... Like, he was close to being off his line. 
At first, I thought that's what it was, but then they showed on the broadcast later like an <coughs> image of Carvajal being like way, way inside the penalty area. Um, a which, disaster. Yeah, which. Um, so, really, Carvajal gave away two penalties in a way the handball and then that, because I don't think Carvajal influences the, the, the rebound, you know, like if he's just a little bit later, I think, you know, Real Madrid, Courtois saves it, obviously, and then uh, they would have cleared it anyway. So, um, yeah, that's unfortunate because in modern day with VAR, there's you cannot get away with that. You, it's just stupid. It's you know, and you're almost letting your teammates down. You know, Courtois, big moment for him, and you've let him down there a little bit by trying to get away and get a second early when you know there's cameras watching. Or in Vallecas, you expect the cameras are working. You never quite know, but um, <laughs> the cameras should be working. So. List like that's shocking to me that it was a Carvajal in the box. Mm. That's inexcusable. Mm-hmm. And they were saying this in the broadcast. Actually, maybe Carvajal. I think we're getting an image, and then they show you the image. And it's like it's like one of those ones when they draw the offside lines, and they don't even draw the second one because it's just like yeah, it was yeah, obvious. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's brutal. I mean, he mm. had a poor game. He's been he's been poor the last few games, and and mm. to to just again letting Courtois down like that, I, I think I think it's pretty inexcusable because that's not there's no reason to rush into the box. No, fight to get the rebound. Sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, for such a fundamental error for, yeah. and, a, and a penalty to be retaken, that, that that could be a game-changing moment. Because I, I will say, like, mm. no matter how badly Real Madrid played, they somehow went up 2-1 by halftime. Mm-hmm. And we've seen Real Madrid pull out points out of their ass without playing well before. Mm. So like, it was not inconceivable for me, even like Rodrigo chance at the end out of nothing mm. nearly equalized it. That they could have still salvaged it, and that's a, that's a huge letdown. Well, at this point in the game, just talking <clears> about the, the kind of flow of the game, because I think we kind of discussed the first half. Raya were just better throughout, and Real Madrid had five minutes where they won a penalty, had a corner, and, and two goals. Yeah, the start. I was surprised that at the start of the second half, Raya were still on top, and that was when I saw the penalty saved and thought that was it. It was it was a save. Mm-hmm. Um, at that moment I'm thinking uh, not only have Ryan not scored here I think this could be a momentum changer for Real Madrid's uh, benefit you know you save a penalty Ryan maybe start to think this isn't our night um, I, like it's almost worse to have a penalty and miss it than to not have a penalty and just continue playing quite well pushing them back not having created the chance yet right. to have the penalty and miss it sometimes can be the worst thing because then you the momentum swings the emotions swing the crowd can swing but then, of course, obviously, they get the retake and they, and they score that one. So, um, I think, yeah, that was the key moment of the game, really, like, was was that penalty, the two the two attempts. And Courtois almost saves the second one. Um, but, yeah, fair play to Trejo as well for, for taking the two of them. Because you, you see that more and more nowadays, I think, where when someone misses the first one and it's uh, to be retaken, they, they switch it because, um, yeah. But he took both and fair play to me, he scored the second. Was there anything else from Ancelotti's press conference that stood out to you? Um, I think there was one thing actually. I just did it. Let me see. Uh, Real Fatigue, losing the league. Vinicius. I haven't really mentioned Vinicius, but this is Vinicius' composure. And now I don't know if you saw this in the first half when Vinicius was, got booked. He was furious. He kept arguing with the referee, and Ancelotti had to pull him aside and tell him. Yep. To stop, I guess you could also see that because that was where I actually all the needed. Focus was. That was one thing I meant to ask you because it was just pure chaos. I couldn't see mm-hmm. anything. The fans were in front of me. Mm-hmm. I just knew that Vinicius and something was happening. That's mm-hmm. all, I don't. That's all I know. So explain, please. So 
yeah, Vinicius get get gets booked obviously for for a foul. You know, not really. I don't think it should be a yellow card, but we saw it a bit late. Okay, fine. You, Vinicius, most other players at that point would would keep their composure a little bit more. Vinicius just could not accept that he had got booked. I think because he gets kicked all the time and often it's not a yellow card, he could not accept that he was booked for it and just kept arguing, kept arguing, kept arguing. And you've seen it before where the referee takes out the second yellow, you got booked for the foul, you got booked for yeah. the descent, and you're off. And this was early in the game. And I think Ancelotti is saying that. And even as Ancelotti literally has his hand on Vinicius' shoulder, trying to walk him away, he's still shouting at the referee. The re- it kind of cools down, the referee goes away, Vinicius shouts one last time, has to get the last word for some reason, and really risk getting the red card, uh, the second yellow there. Then he has to go for the rest of the game. And I think at this point, the Rio players were, were quite kind of smart. Um, you know, this is you know part of the sport as well as as they targeted Vinicius from that moment on. They tried to get him in the get sense of, of yeah, he's he's seen red. He's a bit volatile. Let's try and provoke him. And uh, Baliu really kind of went for it, maybe a bit too much. And I think you know a few fouls that he gave away, which was needless, trying to do it a bit more physical than I saw the I saw the push like mm-hmm. was right yeah. in front of me yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this one is, is silly because, but I think he's doing that to try to get Vinicius to react yeah. um, there was one I think was it someone else and then Vinicius rolled over on top of him or was that the same moment they were just trying to get Vinicius to lash out you know Beckham on Simeone style or something and with good reason because Vinicius has kind of shown the last few weeks that you know his attitude in those moments when a few things don't go again, don't go his way, is not been good the last few weeks. And Ancelotti's been asked about this time and time again, and that you know this one really came close to, to a second yellow being shown. Different referee, um, one of the more strict ones in La Liga would have shown that second yellow. And I don't know, I don't know what you do about that. You want Vinicius to play with that kind of you know chip in the shoulder, but you can't. You can't respond to the referee with that chip in the show. Respond to the other players. Do your dribbling. Dribble past the fullbacks. You know, take on those 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 players that are trying to wind you up. The referee, you can't you can't be acting like that. The referee because he's the one that holds the cards. I I don't think also we can discount the fact that Vinicius has been playing a lot of the season without Benzema on the field. Mm. Mm. And Benzema's usually the first one there to. Yeah, I think I think Benzema's absence has has impacted Vinicius mm. in some way because Benzema's the kind of like the older brother the you're, you're not player. talking tactically right now you're talking like I'm talking about like, like emotionally yeah. yeah yeah like like Benzema mm. would be like hey just slow it down relax mm. let the game come to you don't get into mm. these mind games you're better than this mm. I think there is some element of that that's missing on the field that yeah. leadership yeah no I think you're right <clears throat> um I that's <laughs> regardless I don't think it's good for Real Madrid when Benzema's not in the field mm. I think I think we got a little bit carried away in that Atletico game where Benzema didn't play and Fede Vinicius mm, and, yeah. and, and uh, Rodrigo were amazing in that first half. Yeah. Benzema's leadership is like incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, and this idea of Rodrigo as the false nine is fine to me as a backup, mm. not as like the blueprint going yeah. forward you know as, as a solution it's yeah it's nice it's fine maybe something for the future maybe something for the occasional game if Benzema suspended for example rested but not a Benzema <coughs> injury or lack of comfort where he's out for several games in a row and you're playing Rodrigo as, as the number nine several games in a row I just you know 
for, for many reasons, tactically and, like you say as well, emotionally. Because then Vinicius is the older player than Rodrigo and supposed to be the leader then of that attack. And, um, you know, Vinicius is still a kid as well. So, um, uh, yeah, that was um, the other interesting one from, from the press conference. And, yeah, Ancelotti basically just kind of agreed. You know, he, said he had a tough game, never mind with the referee. And, yeah, he said, in this kind of game, what we can't bring it out from the back, the forwards suffer more than anyone else. And the last thing he said was, yeah, uh, today Vinicius didn't play at the level that he's done most of the season, which was honest, but true. Um, is Asensio one of the players who probably Real maybe was a little player. bit better? Probably Real Madrid's best player. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, usually these games when Real Madrid do terribly, um, oh, no one saved himself, well, except for Courtois. But Courtois, even with the penalty thing, he the second goal, he... You know, it kind of goes right through him. So, yeah, um, yeah. I would say Asensio is probably Real Madrid's best player. Um, surprised actually that not that he started, obviously, given who was available, but that he lasted like the whole way. Um, but yeah, I mean, he wins the the penalty, kind of you know gets in in that position and sort of kind of <laughs> sort of drags Fran Garcia into him and then kind of makes the tangle happen and wins a penalty and then puts in that fantastic ball for. Rodrigo right at the end uh, that Rodrigo uh, hits over you know I'm sure that will become a meme but like you know, the ball bounces just before it gets to him it's, it's harder than it looks um, and it looks worse when it's you know uh, there's no stand there and you're literally hitting a... did, <laughs> just did, you, did you see the Valverde shot into oh the balcony oh my god that was you just were probably like looking a, at it like it was, was like a just a rocket into the sky it was crazy if you don't know what we're talking about look just uh, just type in onto the Valverde balcony um, wait did it actually hit a balcony like because there's that famous apartment uh, there that overlooks the Valverde that hit a shot and it went in the balcony like oh, man flew and like hit like the roof of the balcony bounced probably broke some stuff like I'll show you as well. Like, look it up. Like, it's insane. Someone's had to have, like... I mean, that... This... Oh, definitely this happened before, but, like, I don't think ever, like, at the that angle where it was still, like, rising as it reached the balcony. Like It, it was, was just, yeah. like, just straight into the yeah. sky. I mean, so the interesting... If people don't know what we're talking about, in Vallecas, there is an apartment in... The, is it the North Stand? Yeah, uh, I don't know my geography. That doesn't point. matter. Mm, yeah, like ease. They don't really. Doesn't matter. Stand, what, it, whatever yeah. stand, whatever, whatever you want. The stand that isn't a stand. There's yeah, it, there's stands. no stand. So there's an apartment, and people who are living in the apartment, if you got, mm. you're lucky enough, that real estate must be worth like a mm. lot. No, come on, it's overlooking the stadium. Mm. Unless they build a stand at some point. No, like so in Ibor they have the same thing. They have two yeah. apartment blocks that overlook. And speaking to the people who lived in those apartments in Ibar, they all, <laughs> one of the guys joked like, oh, it's really annoying actually having it because we need to host parties and I need to spend all this money on wine and chorizo. That was kind of a joke. Um, but they were saying like, yeah, even though I have this overlooking the stadium, like I'm still getting my season ticket and I'm going down and watching the game in the stands. Like, mm. And I feel like Ryan was probably the same. Like, you actually, look, there's sometimes you see a couple of families in the balcony or not. But most of them are empty, not because they're not football fans, but because they're in the stadium. So I think it's a little bit um, like it, to us that are football nerds and like would want to just like look out the window and see a La Liga game. That sounds amazing. But if you're like a Rio fan, you also actually just want to be in the stadium. So um, yeah, fair enough. Good, solid counter argument. But either way, there's an apartment there that overlooks 
the stadium like literally it's yeah. it's like in the stadium almost it's mm-hmm. like it's that close um and so Ferry hit a balcony or something like it went straight in yeah that that would have been a hell of a souvenir if you can just like somehow just let it land and keep it in your balcony souvenir depends how much it broke on the way but yeah also true um <laughs> there's something I was going to say we, before, we got off tangent before the Fede bit, shot but, uh, tangent um, uh, we were, well we are talking about the Rodrigo shot which also went over that stand but yeah. as far as we know didn't hit any balconies Rodrigo had a couple good positions of I'd say three where he got into good positions in the box and just shot it over the bar mm. um, not great night on him in, from an efficiency, efficiency standpoint or an anything standpoint really mm. um, there was something else there I'm not sure, but I'll jump ahead, I guess. Um, is there anything in your three questions, three answers that we haven't talked about? Is it published mm, yet, or is it not? No, not up yet. Still to finish the last couple, but I think we kind of talked, yeah, Cruz, by, by, by kind of intensity, uh, yeah, smaller dimensions. Yeah, one of them was, um, I saw a stat going around that this was the least distance covered by Real Madrid in a game this season, like kilometers-wise. Wow, that's a good measurement of... Uh, but intensity. But I would counter that with this is the smallest pitch they played on. Like I said, four hundred and forty okay. square meters, it's you don't need to or shouldn't don't have to run as much. You know, when for example, when Real Madrid is playing a high line to try and play right offside, which didn't actually happen that much in this game, but when you need to sprint this way or sprint that way, the distance you have to sprint is less. So it's absolutely normal that the pitch where you the, the game where you cover the least distance so far this season is on the smallest pitch. To an extent, also, I think the stat is true to some extent as well, that this probably was a game where uh, Real Madrid uh, didn't maybe put in as much... Don't, you don't like to use the word effort because it's not about... I think it's, it is effort, but mostly because the players are tired, um, which is not their fault. It's the games, all these things that we've talked about. But... Um, in terms of how much running and um, effort in that sense they put in, uh, and so to get using the word contundencia, which is like doesn't really, like it kind of translates to like drive, like strength, forcefulness, like um, he said, Ryo outmatched us in in that, and it's I think that's true, which is normal in a in a sense. I'm also not sure, like you know, Ancelotti said, you know, things he could have done differently, whether it was like long balls to escape mm. the press. I mean, the long balls also were. Pretty bad if you look at the numbers too. For the most part, mm-hmm. this is what happens too. And Cruz is not in the pitch. Yeah, Carvajal not bad. Four of six. Mendy or six of seven. Sorry, Militao three of nine. I think Courtois one of eight. Courtois uh, distribution was not great also because he just really had nothing mm-hmm. going for him. Um, but also, like as a manager, what do you do when you see your team just getting beat every single loose ball? I, I like it's yeah. hard to motivate your players in that mm-hmm. situation. Like coming half time, like, hey, can we just have more fight? Mm-hmm. Um, new, tr- kind of a new trend. But every time Real Madrid need a goal in the second half, the theme is Mariano Diaz comes on mm-hmm. before anybody else. Been happening a bit more and more. Hazard right? has disappeared off the face of the yeah. earth. Um, but this, yeah, <clears throat> we've done the Hazard thing a million times, yeah. and I think we all agree at this point. Um, there's very few situations where Hazard makes sense to come on for Real Madrid. Is definitely not in Vallecas in a game like this. Not so when you e- need even to less, fight. even less compared to the other games where Hazard also probably isn't the right option. So, I believe, I my opinion, I'm stating it like a fact, but I I think this game would fa- like maybe Hazard comes on and like is 
somehow the magic ingredient that unlocks it, but I think Hazard in this game is like the worst possible game for Hazard. I mean, I think you just needed some some steel and some muscle mm-hmm. and some... That's why Kamavinga made sense to me. Although yeah. I don't think Kamavinga... I mean, some of his touches, like his first touch, he nearly gave Rayo a goal. Yeah. But um, either way, Mariano Diaz has been coming in and you know he becomes a target. Uh, was it against Girona? He actually played well off the bench. Maybe. I think it was Girona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That cra- yeah, that kind of crazy like scramble to recover after the penalty. What I've almost said about Mariano is that, listen, he's not a high IQ football player, mm. but goddamn, does he leave his mark? You just know he's mm. there. He breaks his own bones. He breaks mm. the opposing team's bones. Yeah. He's not. He's at least he 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 shows himself. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm kind of a broken record about this. I think people probably think I have an agenda or something, but I've been calling out for Sergio Arribas mm. and some of these younger Castilla players. And games like this where you need, mm-hmm. where the problem is, first of all, uh, people are looking at the World Cup. They're scared of getting injured. Bring in some of the kids with mm-hmm. some bark who are playing really well at the youth level. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just going crazy, but um, yep. I would love to see it. And that goes back to the point of I mean, um, other clubs are managing this pre-World Cup mm, time a bit better. Other clubs are doing that. Uh, yeah, Real Madrid really, really haven't. Yeah. Um, okay, I mean, we're at 45, not bad. I mean, is there anything else, anything we miss? I mean, it was such a crazy game, probably, but I think yeah. we kind of, in a very weird, non-chronological, non-structured order, kind of gone through many points. It was... Um, it was an unforgettable experience. Hmm. I will never forget my cabin, my wilderness cabin. Um, the okay. chaos, the, I mean, like, regardless of what happened, it was just so eventful. Hmm. There was so much happening on the field. It was it was a fun La Liga game. If you're a mm-hmm. neutral looking at this game, you had a lot of fun. No, this is like yeah. always one of the best fixtures, like every, every year, like Rio versus Real. Like, I think this is a game really... Our fans want to also beat you know Barca. I think Real Madrid's the scalp they want. Like Real Madrid is not popular in that part of Madrid. I can um, I seem to recall just like Barca just have a terrible time at Vallecas hmm, in yeah. recent memory. They've yeah. been losing a few games there. They lost there last year, which I think was the one. I think it was, was a couple years year. running. I think so. Well, they only got promoted again last year. Back in the day, in the in the Guardiola year, it was <clears> the first time they lost a possession battle. Against Paco Hemes' Israel, right. which was a big thing for for Barcelona because they won the possession for like five years or something yeah. every game. Um, but yeah, I think it was the game they lost there last year was basically the end for Coleman. I don't know if that was the game they got sacked. I think it might have been when they lost to Falcao. Well, that's their problem. Don't yeah. care. Um, all you, right, you brought it up. I know I brought it up. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we got Cadiz, and then we got the World Cup. What mm-hmm. a weird thing to say in November. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. Sounds fun. It'll be something. It'll be something. Um, we'll wrap it here then. Ewan, mm-hmm. thanks for your time. No problem. Thanks for hosting as always. Um, and we will be back. It's Monday. At the very latest, we'll be back Cadiz post game. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want access to that, no. This will be that will be for free, and then we'll do mailbag for patrons after that. But if you like what you listen to, you like the analysis, you like the coverage, you like a little bit more in-depth analysis and detailed discussion on the games on from from the ground, 
if I'm not going to games, Ewan's going to the games. Uh, if you'd like to support high-quality journalism, go to patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Ewan, thanks. Appreciate it. No problem. Take care. Peace. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Also wanted to give a quick shout-out to our $10-plus patrons. Well, shout-out to all of our patrons, really, because... You guys make this show possible. We really appreciate you being part of this Real Madrid family and growing with us. Shout out to our $10 plus patrons specifically because if you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will, Will Sousa, Way Pairing, Wamik Jamal, Tobias Arroyo Botcher, Tarek Goktas, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujaiwani, Sumanchu Singh, Sheikh Hatiri, Shamil, Shabazz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorzano, Samuli Justin, Samer Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odayafari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Moller, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, uh, Nick Ribeiro, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Savernakis, Conal Talakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Kohut, Frederick Antakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Elo Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Con P, Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armando L, Antons Rudenko, Anirudh Singh, Ananya Kumar, Alex Thyberg, Al Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adarza Lukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Makhlur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. Thank you guys. We love you all. And Halamari.